This is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 260, recorded Monday, March 28th, 2016. All right. Nice hood. Thanks. I got my hoodie on. I I look away to start the podcast, and when I look back at the Skype, Jason's got a weird hood on. It's not weird. It's a hoodie with a hood that I put the hood up on. It's very big. It's very. It's a very wide hood. It's my uh, Ezio Aldatore hood. <laughs> oh, look at you dropping the Assassin's Creed <laughs> reference there. <laughs> yeah. Or Miles. Uh, no, it's De- Desmond Miles. Yeah, that's the uh, that's the present guy. The present day, the present day guy, spelled differently than my name, but uh, yeah, Desmond Miles, right there. Cool. Well, that's very exciting. Uh, all right, so moving on from your hood, um, I want to remind everyone that we've got our giveaway running right now. It's for a very cool book called "The Art of Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse," a cookbook and culinary survival guide, full of all sorts of tips on how to survive in the zombie apocalypse, as well as cook food and make recipes that will be delicious and nourishing and help you get through those dark times. And entertaining at the same time. And entertaining. So if you want to enter, go to talkingdeadpodcast.com slash art of eating. And there you can enter. And uh, one of the ways to enter is by leaving us an iTunes review. So uh, that should be fun for you, I hope. Thanks yeah. to everyone over at Smart Pop Books for providing the book. Cool, cool. All right. So we are here. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. We are here to recap season six, episode 15, the second to last episode for season six. The penultimate episode. Which I got wrong last week. It's penultimate. Or as my wife says, <laughs> the pentultimate. That's not correct. That's the tenth ultimate, pentultimate. Oh, <laughs> I, I see. That's kind of kind of adorable, but not right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, here we go. This episode was titled, we got a lot of them, here we go. Buckle in, Jason. I'm buckled in, strapped in, ready to go. North, no. South, no. West, no. East, ding, 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 ding. East. East. The name of the episode is East, airing on Easter. <laughs> East, East, baby. East, Austin. Well, I got nothing. No love boat, no acorn cookies, just East. Negan's coming fast, and he's coming from the East. I think she went that way. Well, what, what, what's that way? Uh, you, you know, that way. No... Uh, I think, I think she went east. Yeah. Hi everybody, this is Elmo, and you're listening to the Talking Dead Podcast, and this is the episode called East. Yay! Poor Daryl. Thank you so much to Lauren in Rhode Island, USA, Carl on the internet, who in San Francisco, early Trevor in Morrisville, North Carolina, Damien in Virginia, Ulrich in Frankfurt, Germany, Todd on Amelia Island, Florida, Malik on the internet, The Walking Ant, and Elmo... A.K.A. Trucker Jim. <laughs> oh, Elmo is Trucker Jim. <laughs> Elmo 
is Trucker Jim. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so that was a lot of them there. I think this whole title read thing is uh, getting a little out of hand, Jason. No, I don't think so. Out of hand means that it's not entertaining or uh, overly cumbersome. I just flat out enjoy it. I do too, actually. Out of hand, maybe you're right. It's That sort of means uh, un, uncontrolled. Yes. It's, it's still under control. It's just the, a little wacky. Yeah, the connotation for out of hand is that it's not uh, it's not good. Okay. Well, so, I think it, it's fun. It's all good. It is all good. So thanks to everyone for writing those in. You know how to get your title reads into us for next week if you want. Uh, we'll talk about that on our feedback show on Wednesday. Okay, let's jump into our recap here. Now, we get probably the shortest cold open we've ever had on this yeah, episode. Yeah, before I even turned around, we had the uh, the opening credits. Before you'd even opened your eyes from your... Yeah, usually when I watch the, uh, the the cold open, I turn around a couple of times. But this time, <laughs> it was before I even had a chance to turn around, it was already running the credits. Jason stands up, he starts spinning on, on the spot, and... Oh, oh, I always watch it twirling. Don't you watch it twirling? Twirling, twirling, twirling towards victory? Always twirling. Just twirling and watching, <laughs> twirling and watching. That's how I watch the episodes. Well, what we get in this cold open while you were twirling around is some random-y kind of shots of, like, car stuff. So we see a windshield with a bullet hole in it. We see a flat tire. We see some blood dripping off stuff onto the ground. Um, and then we see Carol's rosary on the ground. And while we're being shown these images, we hear somebody saying, I can see you, come out slowly, and someone declines, and then a gunshot and a scream. And that's our cold open. Cool. Could you recognize that it was Carol's voice when you saw this? I don't think so. I mean, the second time we heard it, yes, I did. But uh, the, f the first time, no, I don't think I put, uh, I put Carol's voice to that. No, I, I'm with you, too. I didn't, it was, it was kind of quiet. I didn't put, I didn't really recognize her voice. Although when I watched it later on my computer with headphones on, um, well, I guess I also knew it was Carol by that point too, but when I knew it was her, it sounded like her, but before I sort of had that understanding, I, I didn't put two and two together that it was Carol. Right. Even though they showed us the rosary on the ground. <laughs> well, yeah. So in, in hindsight, you should have put it all together. I guess so. I, I didn't think it was someone else. I just, I didn't uh, assign a, an identity to the voice the first time I heard it. Right. But it didn't occur to me to want to. Well, that's the thing. I didn't, I mean, I didn't really think about maybe this is somebody we know. I mean, I guess it should have, but anyways, that was it for the cold open. So we don't really know what's going on there. A uh, bunch of random images. When we come back after the opening credits, we're with Carol. She's in her house and she's mending a jacket. And then she is packing a bag of supplies and we see her put in a knife and some food and various other things. I think a candle into a bag and she hides it under the bed when Tobin comes in. She's got some duct tape in there. Yeah, she's got a go bag. She's ready to go. She is ready to go. Um, so we already know she's left from the episode before. So it's pretty clear here we're seeing her preparations to get going. Yep. Um, so Tobin comes in and he's hurt his hand. And he says he went to the infirmary, but it was quiet over there, of course, because Denise is dead. And he says, and he starts talking about Denise and, uh, you know, saying how he's known her for a while and stuff like that. But while he's talking, Carol keeps looking at him, but sort of tunes out what he's saying. Right? Yep. It's sort of, we can't hear his voice anymore. And the camera's just focused on Carol's face. And it's just kind of noise at that point. We don't, you know, she's not really picking up on it. She's just sort of there in, in body only, but... You know, her mind has wandered somewhere else, I think, is what's going on. Yep. 
And, uh, you know, Carol comes back to, and she says that Tara is going to be upset when she finds out, quite obviously. But Tobin reassures her everything will be okay, and they kiss. Nice. Nice. <laughs> she's already checked out of the relationship, and she's already planning on leaving, so I, I think that it's really it's a really shitty thing to do, what Carol's doing right now. To like to just sort of ignore the guy or not say anything and yeah, pretend everything's fine and just kind of lead him along, even though she knows that uh, she's getting the hell out of Dodge. So uh, I, you know, I've known friends that uh, that have done this kind of thing in relationships before, and it's always a shitty thing. Mm-hmm. Like you go visit for the you go visit your girlfriend for the weekend, you have a nice weekend, and then last thing you do on Sunday before you leave is like, oh, and by the way, I'm breaking up with you. Good luck. <laughs> Meanwhile, you know, you just spent a nice weekend together. Like, well, what nobody, the hell, dude? Nobody wants to do that at the beginning of the weekend because people are cowards, right? They want to do it at the end of the weekend when they can they can leave and they don't have to deal with it, right? No, it, it, it makes sense from a, a shitty cowardly sort of thing to do, but it's still a shitty, shitty cowardly thing to do, which mm-hmm. is terribly unfortunate. But I think Carol does have feelings for Tobin, and I think she cares for him, but like like I just said, she wants to... She just wants to cut and run, kind of, you know, and not yeah. sort of deal with it. And she, the whole reason she's leaving is because she doesn't want to have to kill anyone for anybody else anymore. Yeah. Right? The least she could do is drug him so he's unconscious for the whole evening and nothing happens, right? <laughs> well, it kind of is what happened. She let him go to bed and then snuck out and he didn't wake up until the morning. I don't know. They started kissing, so I assumed that there was uh, there was some nookie going on there. Mm-hmm. I, well, you see, I, 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 the, that scene implied a whole evening of, uh, you know, candlelight dinner and uh, sweet, sweet lovemaking. So that's why I think it's a shitty thing to do that she, you know, she went through this whole romantic evening before she, uh, you know, pulled her, her bag out from under the bed and snuck out of the house leaving a note. Yeah. 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 You could be right. As the camera panned away from them kissing down to the bed, I thought for sure we were going to see them flop onto the bed together. Oh, no. No, we didn't. I didn't think so. But, I, 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 yeah, I, I figured there was definitely some uh, bed action happening. <laughs> I also don't know why I find it funny when I hear you say sweet, sweet lovemaking. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it is sort of hilarious. Anyways, as I said, the camera pans down and Johnny Cash starts playing. Of course he Good does. old Johnny Cash. Now we fade to night. You know, we, you know, Johnny Cash and I have the same birthday. Oh, yeah? February 26th, yeah. That's exciting. Man in black. That's very cool. You should uh, wear more black. I do on my birthday. I maybe, generally do. Maybe go to prison for a while? Perform there? I don't know. Yeah, go to, you know, play some uh, Folsom Prison. Mm-hmm. That'd, be, that'd be nice. Do you put on a Johnny Cash record every year on your birthday? I do not. You should do that. If I did that, I'd have to do Erica Badu because we have the same birthday as well. And it, it just, it snowballs into a whole thing. I guess so. I got some pretty cool people on my birthday. Wayne uh, Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky, really? Eddie Van Halen. Oh, that's sweet. It's pretty good. Yeah, Anyways, you're doing all right. I'm doing okay. Yeah, I got uh, I got these two and my buddy Daryl, and that's it. I got tricked into buying a car once because Wayne Gretzky has the same birthday as me. Nice. You should buy a high school because uh, I went to the same high school as Wayne Gretzky. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and this, when he played for the Sioux Greyhounds, he uh, he lived in the Sioux for a semester or two. Oh, yeah. And he was in high school at the time, so he went to Sir James Dunn, and that's the high school that I went to. There you go. We didn't go at the same time. No. Because he's older than I am, cause, but- uh, Not yeah, that much. Same, same high school. And Paul <laughs> Coffey, too. 
Yeah, we talked about this last week, I think. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so Johnny Cash is playing. We fade to nighttime. Carol is sneaking out of their bedroom, and uh, she's gone. She's just disappeared into the night. Now, the next morning, there are various characters doing their shifts of, you know, different jobs. And we see Carl in the armory. Now, he picks up a gun, and he looks at the handle of the gun, and there is a bat wrapped in barbed wire carved into the handle. Is that what that was? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It is a baseball bat with a barbed wire thing carved around it. So this is this is a weapon that Negan uses. I don't think that's much of a secret. We don't know what he's going to do with it, but this must be a weapon that was picked up from one of the saviors that they killed and brought back, and for whatever reason, they have carved Negan's signature weapon into the handle of the gun. Just for fun. I, I guess. I mean, he's a pretty overbearing guy, it seems like. We don't really know him yet, but maybe he, that's the kind of thing he makes everyone do. Mm, maybe. I don't know. Now, that's it for Carl. That's all we see of him in this episode. We cut over to Glenn and Maggie, who are in the shower. Speaking of nookie time. It's a, a wonderful <laughs> shower. Did you notice how big that and wonderful that shower was? That is a hotel room shower right there. Hotel room shower. Well, I've stayed in a lot of hotels in the last year, and I've noticed one thing. If if they don't have just like, if it's a newer hotel and they don't have just like a bathtub and a, a shower, yeah. they're all these built in like really big ones. Like you could fit four or five people in there. See, now that's a shower. That's what I'm saying. That's a really that's, nice that's shower. That's a Vegas shower right there. That's four or five people. That's exactly. Awesome. Exactly. So there's enough room to have four or five people in the shower or, you know, sleep in there if you needed to. Yeah. F- five people is too many. Four okay? Five too many? Four, four is okay. Five would just be weird. <laughs> what, do you need an even number? <laughs> I don't know. You have to have two, four, or six. If you have three and five, there's always one person standing around oh, going, what? what do I do, guys? Yeah, well, <laughs> even three, there's still a, an element of what the hell's going on that I'm not a part of. <laughs> That's what I mean. Odd numbers don't work. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it's it's weird. Anyway, I, I think four would be fine. Five is too many. Okay, well, Glenn and Maggie are in the shower, just the two of them, so two is a good number. They're washing each other. It's very sensual and so on. and Sh- Showery. Very showery, sure. Uh they're saving water. This is this is the appropriate thing. This is uh, the prudent thing to do in the zombie apocalypse when you have a limited amount of hot water. Uh, you uh, you buddy up to save save on uh, energy. I guess so. Makes sense to me. You know, if they don't exactly have all that many resources, so you might as well take showers in two or four or six at a time. Yeah, everybody has to do their part to help save the environment, such as wash Maggie's back. Well, I don't know about you know particularly Maggie's back, but you know. If uh, you want to save on hot water, buddy up. I'd wash Maggie's back. Anyhow, um, as Glenn is doing that, we see some serious bruises on her lower back. So those must have been from the events of when her and Carol were kidnapped for a day. Yeah. But they don't look so good. Um, Outside, we see Daryl, and he still has the Dennis keychain, which he saved from Denise, and he gets on his bike. Now, Sasha and Abraham are changing shifts, um, and they seem very, very friendly. They're smiling at each other. They've obviously got a thing going on there, which we know, because she invited him in at the end of uh, uh, the other episode. For some sweet, sweet lovemaking. That's right. There's a lot (laughs) of that going on in this town these days. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, Sasha hands him a cigar, and he goes up the... uh, 
up the ladder to the lookout point. And of course, Rosita is working the front gate and she sees them. And I'm not going to say she looks really unhappy, but she looks a little bit unhappy by the whole thing. Well, it's awkward for her. Right. You know, she's right there and he's standing around like, you know, making eyes at his new girlfriend right in front of her. It's it's all a matter of, uh, you know, nice, uh, sensual moments uh, coupled with uh, weird awkwardness. Mm-hmm. Except for the Maggie and Glenn thing. That was, there was no awkwardness there. Well, they're a married well, couple. Well, the, the there was bruises on her back, which I guess was terribly unfortunate. So everything, you know, all the uh, the sensual moments have been uh, twinged with, uh, with some kind of uncomfortable uh, fringe to it. Mm-hmm. Well, what about the next scene? The next scene is Rick and Michonne in bed, and they're waking up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're kind of canoodling around a little bit. And... It's the apple. The apple is the awkward thing in this, this scene. <laughs> it's the apple. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing she does is pick up an a- apple, and they each take a bite of it. Um, I but... yelled out at the TV at this point, who the hell wakes up, and the first thing they do is take a bite of the apple they left at the side of their bed, getting sticky apple juice all over your hands and all over the bed. It's just, it's a stupid thing to do. (laughs) Well, I mean, the apple, I guess, yeah, but she must be hungry. Yeah, but why right as soon as you open your eyes while you're still laying in bed? It is a little strange. It's it's a little weird because apples uh, tend, they can be very sticky. And I I have a thing about my hands, right? I don't like my hands to be sticky. So that's one of the reasons that... uh, I will pre-slice an apple and or orange and get it all prepped, then wash my hands, and then eat the damn thing. And then wash them I, again. And then wash them again, because I don't like sticky hands. So just having an eating an apple in bed as soon as you your eyes slam open is just the wrong thing to do. I, I admit it's a little weird. I don't keep food next to my bed, generally. Um, yeah, I generally don't like to, uh, to mix the, uh, the food and the sweet, sweet lovemaking either, so... Uh, <laughs> This is the awkward part of this uh, this scene. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. Well, she takes I'll stop a bite. saying that now. <laughs> no, keep going, man. It's I'm I'm all for it, all for it. People love to hear about you and your sweet sweet lovemaking. <laughs> yeah. Well, she I'm takes sure. a bite. They both take a bite. Rick wants to stay in bed because he figures he says Judith is Judith isn't even up yet, so let's just stay in bed. But Michonne says no, no, no. Maggie has us on a schedule. They got to get to work. Um. And, you know, b- before they get up, though, they, they talk about – Michonne talks about being worried about an attack and how Maggie's worried about an attack as well. But Rick goes on about how we'll be ready for them. He says the world is ours now. We know how to take it. You know, everything we need is right here inside these walls. Don't worry about a thing. He's kind of being, in my opinion, a little overly confident here. Well, of course. Yeah. He's uh, he's – Resting on his laurels. He's uh, relaxing a little bit, you know, whatever comes. We've got walls, we've got guns, you know. And, you know, to be fair, every time they've come up against the saviors, they've completely uh, destroyed them. Like mm-hmm. any any group that they've come up against has not been able to fare against uh, our intrepid heroes at all. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Um but I still think you got to keep your guard up. Like you can't, even though they've massacred, you know, 30 or 40 saviors in the last few days or whatever it's been, Rick's kind of like, like he, he can't assume that everything is going to be safe, right? What if 500 saviors show up at their door? They're, they're hosed then. 
Well, they've never encountered 500 people before at all. No, they. but there's always a first, right? You just can't get yeah. complacent is all I'm saying. Yeah, well, he's getting a little complacent. I would, I would agree with that. But uh, – and then the next scene sort of is the opposite of that where, you know, we see some characters outside and they're organizing weapons. It's Maggie and Glenn. And uh, Maggie is saying, you know, we'll hide these around places so we know where they are. But if a stranger gets in, they won't be able to find them. And it's like having little weapons caches all over the town. Yeah, and that's why you have a baseball bat uh, taped to the underside of a dresser uh, in in your house, and you hide knives everywhere. That's you know standard practice. In this situation, yeah, yeah. If you have a morning star, you will hide it. Uh, you put it above the the door jam of uh, you know the kitchen, so that uh, if somebody's backing you into the kitchen, you always have a you know access to your morning star. <laughs> right. You never know when you might need a morning star in your kitchen. That's right. Well, I'm just saying, Rick is getting a little lazy, saying let's stay in bed and, you know, everything will be fine here. We're totally secure. And Maggie and Glenn are outside hiding guns around the town just in case. So it's yeah. it's two different feelings here. Maggie's the one who's worried. Rick's like, nah, you know, we'll be fine. Yeah. Now, Daryl leaves. We saw him getting on his motorcycle, but now he leaves. He's He says he's going out. Uh, doesn't really say where he's going, but oh, I used to do that when I was fifteen. Where are you going? Out. See you, mom. Going where? out west. <laughs> you know that's what I would say. We were going west. Well, because I, I mean, was a fifteen-year-old smartmouth. Yeah, really. <laughs> weren't we all? <laughs> yeah. So Daryl's being fifteen again. Kind of. That's his his uh, style, though. He says he's leaving. And so he rides his motorcycle off down the road, and immediately Glenn, Michonne, and Rosita jump in a van and go after him. So this is the collection. You'll notice that inside the gate is this uh, collection of vehicles mm -hmm. that are all lined up, including the camper at the end. Yep, you're right. So, yeah, this was uh, just confirmation that these vehicles are lined up at the gate and ready to go at a mo moment's notice. Yeah, that's I realized that too. So I thought those were outside the gate, but they're not. They're inside, and they're just preparation vehicles, mm -hmm. so they can go. So as I said, Glenn Michonne and Rosita jump in the van that's at the front of the line, and they go. Uh, Abraham is about to go, but uh, Rosita says, "No, no, no, you stay. I'm going because I know where Daryl is going to go. I can follow him." Right. Um. Now, we get a quick scene of Tobin bringing the note to Rick. Uh, we cut to them walking outside. He says he didn't hear her leave during the night. Uh, they come up to Sasha, talk, and they all agree that she must have left during a shift change in a car that was positioned between the houses just outside the gate that they couldn't really see that well. Right. So that's how she snuck out. Um, and Carol would know the schedule and stuff like that, so it's not too far-fetched that no one would see her leave. Yeah, that's true. Um, so then Morgan and Rick get in a Carl to go out after Carol and Rick orders nobody else to leave and be ready for a fight. <laughs> so even though Rick's like, yeah, we got this now, he's sort of saying the other thing, you better be ready. So we have Glenn. I mean, sorry, we've got Daryl who's gone out presumably after, um, Dwight because he was holding the Dennis keychain, which connects him to Denise. So he's going out to get revenge there. We got Glenn, Michonne, and Rosita going after him. And we have Carol, who's out there, of course. And we've got Rick and Morgan going after Carol. 
Right. We've got a whole thing going on here. We got a whole bunch of little groups that have now suddenly left and all gone off and scattered in different directions. Um, we go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we've got Carol, and she's driving her car full of spikes. A spiky car. <laughs> Very spiky. She passes another vehicle going the other way, and they shoot out her tires as they pass. Turns out it's five guys in a pickup truck. And, of course, her tires are blown out, so she's skidded to a stop. They stop, point a bunch of weapons at her, and say, uh, you better get out of your car with your hands up. And, you know, they talk for a minute, and they say that uh, Carol tries to convince them that, like, I'm a nobody, you know. I'm just, uh, what does she say, I'm Nancy, and I bounce around a lot. I'm not really from anywhere, but they say, no, you have information, like where you're from, where you're going. And the guy's name in the truck is Hero. And he says he knows about Alexandria because he recognizes the car with the spikes on it. Yeah, and you're coming from that direction, so. And, and I think he indicated that's where we were going. It so, well, I thought he said that. So, does it make sense that like five saviors would get in a car by themselves and drive to the gate of Alexandria and show up and say, "Hi, guys, we're here to take you over"? Well, I don't know if they're going to the gate. I think they might be going to scout out the area. And just have a look around. I don't think they yeah. would want to go, you know, pull up to the gate and say, hey, we got a truck here and uh, I got a spear. So back off, eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not in northern Ontario, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I got the impression that they had been scouting the town anyways, though, because they recognized the car with the spikes in it. Yeah. And that, that seems to be where they said that's something that you guys have been doing. So either way... They definitely have been checking it out and keeping an eye on it. So I think they knew where Alexandria was, which is not a good thing. Yep. Um, now, at this point, Carol starts her kind of fake hyperventilating again. And she says, you know, nobody has to get hurt. Just let me go. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a bunch of automatic gunfire erupts and shoots down everybody in that truck. Yep. And we find out. My first thought is, oh, my God, well, somebody like, you know, Rick snuck up from the other direction and shot everybody. That's great. He's helped save Carol. He's a hero. But no, apparently Carol had some sort of automatic weapon stuck up her sleeve and fired it and shot most of them. Somehow. Somehow. Without burning herself? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, gunfire is hot. And I don't it, know if you know that about gunfire, but... It's hot. It's like a little tiny explosion going off inside a metal chamber. Yep. So there's a lot of heat generated. Oh, yeah. But somehow she had a gun that could fire that many rounds hidden up her sleeve. And all that happened is, first of all, she hit them all or most of them. Um, and she tore up the sleeve of her jacket. Yeah. I call complete bullshit on this. I didn't like this either. I would have much preferred someone to have snuck up from the forest and, and shot and fired, you know? I, I would have taken a John McClane uh, gun taped to her back more than anything else. Well, but how would she have reached around and pulled that her, out? Her arms were up, just like John McClane's was when he had it taped to his back, and then he pulled it out, out of his back and uh, shot uh, uh, one of the bad guys. I forget which one. Yeah, well, oh, he, he, probably, he probably had small shoes. Small shoes? They all had small shoes. 
Terrorist had really small feet in the first movie. Oh yeah, because he didn't have shoes for a long time. Yeah, n- none of the ones that he, none of the guys that he killed had shoes that would fit him. Right. Well, that's not what happened here. I mean, no. there was there was a gun gun hidden up her sleeve, and uh, honestly, I'm not even sure where this gun came from because, in one hand, she has her rosary, which is hanging out of her sleeve, but the hand is pulled up inside the inside the sleeve, so you can only, you can't see her actual hand. Yeah. And her other hand has nothing in it. You can see her fingers dangling. So it looked to me like the gun was in the other hand, not the rosary hand. But I think what we were supposed to take away from this is that she had the gun up the rosary sleeve, I guess dropped the rosary and was able to then fire the gun. It it didn't make any sense. It still doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't. It doesn't make a lot of sense how this this played out. Um, but anyways, after this happens, a uh, couple of the guys in the back of the truck are dead. Um, the two up front are not dead. And the one guy who was talking, it looks like he was able to jump off and hide behind the truck. Um, now, the driver of the truck jumps out and starts shooting. But Carol takes cover. He approaches her and... You know, she takes cover behind her own car, but because it's full of spikes, she's able to just grab a spike and shove it through the guy's chest who's on the other side of the car. Yeah, so he took a, she took a sharpened stick yep. uh, and pushed it all the way through his sternum and his rib cage and all the internal organs, and it came out, and, and through his jacket, too. Oh, yeah, made, yep. made a nice hole in his jacket. So, uh, yeah, that was complete bullshit, too. A, a kind of a kind of a dull sharpened stick. Right, it's like if you took a handle of a shovel and rounded off one end into yeah. a kind of a point. I think that with the force that it looked like she applied to this sharpened stick, if somebody had uh, poked me, like say you had take, taken this stick, this sharpened shovel, uh, and you know ch- sharpened it down a bit, and then you hit me with it with this amount of force, I think it would have made me angry, and I would have said, "Ow, that really hurt." Do you want to get together this weekend, and I'll try poking you with this? The handle of a shovel? I'm fine with just a simple speculation. Well, come on. We'll put it on tape. We'll put it on the internet. People will get a good laugh over it. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll fall down. Request denied. Come on. Uh, so I, oh, <laughs> I definitely don't want to be poked with a sharpened stick. Let's just say that. But I don't think that it would break the skin. It might uh, It might give me a nasty bruise. Mm-hmm. But that sucker not is not going through my entire chest cavity. No. This... This whole, well, let's finish the scene. So he's now speared and Carol, and immediately dead, which I guess would be pretty fast if you had to stick that big through your chest. But I'm sure, I'm, I'm a little surprised that his heart didn't come out the back of his chest, stuck on the end of this thing. <laughs> Just push right through. Oh, <laughs> yeah. God. That's gross. <laughs> See, that's, uh, that's right on par with, uh, uh, Indiana Jones in the uh, the Temple of Doom. Mm-hmm. And the guy just kind of pulls the heart out of the, uh, you know, the guy's chest. Well, we've got Indiana Carol in the, Temple of Doom here. Well, no, it know. wasn't Indiana that did that. It was uh, it was the, the the bad priest guy. Oh, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen you those movies. You should watch it. It's I will. Really, it's a really bad movie. No, Indiana Jones are okay. Oh, first one's good. Third one, good. Second one, not so much. Okay. Well, anyways, um, now what we get here is the cold open scene. So we get more context here. The the guy hero is hiding behind the Carol, uh, the Carol, the car. Carol approaches him with a gun but we hear her say you know come on out kind of and he says no so she goes up to him with the gun and shoots him and uh we cut to a commercial but this whole scene as we've kind of implied here just felt way too easy for carol 
Like, number one, the gun up the sleeve is ridiculous. Puncturing the guy through the chest with the stick is ridiculous. And for her to walk away pretty much unscathed seemed a little ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's it, it was a bit of a plot device shield, I think, for her in this case. After yeah, the, it was a little weird. Definitely, definitely a little weird. After the commercial break, we are back in Alexandria, and Enid is in there in the pantry getting some food, or in a pantry in one of the houses, it looks like. Maggie comes in, and Enid offers to take her shift while Maggie rests. And well, that's nice. That is nice. Maggie's going to eat some pickles. <laughs> because that's what you do when you're pregnant. I guess so. Uh, we cut to Morgan and Rick. They are driving along. They're talking about how Carol went east, but the Savior's compound was west. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, puts some geographic context to what's been going on. Now, Morgan says something interesting here. They're talking about sort of what he believes and this and that. And he says, what I believe, I'm not right because there is no right. It's just I'm going to happen to believe and act the way I want to. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very wise of Morgan to say that. I may have, you know, beliefs and so on, but not everyone is necessarily going to share that. And uh, he's saying that some things are wrong still, and those are the things that can pull you down into the depths of despair. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Now, back on the road where Carol was, the passenger of the pickup truck, the one remaining savior, wakes up. Turns out he was shot in the shoulder and I guess unconscious for a little while, or pretending to be unconscious for a little while. He fell asleep. I suppose. Knocked his head, fell asleep. Some people just can fall asleep anywhere and under any circumstances. Yeah. He's one of those guys. He got shot, he's like, ah, I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I got shot. If I don't wake up from this nap, I won't know anyways. Yeah. Um, Well, he gets up. Hero is still alive on the ground. He's been shot. Carol didn't kill him. He's still alive. And the guy gets out walks around the car and we can see in the vehicle way off in the distance just approaching turns out that's rick and morgan they drive up they get out realize that that was carol's car and uh rick goes down to hero on the ground asks where is she but then stabs him in the head when he can't answer (laughs) really not going to be able to answer nope Really didn't even give him much of a chance. No. Like, <laughs> where is she? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much how it went down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, Rick's not fucking around anymore. He's just like, if you don't give me exactly what I want right now, you're no good to me. It, and I don't want you to be a zombie, so I'm going to put you out of your misery. Well, it was the same with the guy who they captured with Daryl's motorcycle, Primo, I think his yep. name was. Same with that dude. Like, he asked him... A couple questions, and the dude didn't even barely finish answering, and Rick shot him in the face. <laughs> it's like, you're right. Rick does not fuck around at all anymore. Yeah. Um, now, Rick realizes that this was a group of saviors because he finds a weapon made by the Hilltop's blacksmith. Mm, so That's I, that spear. That's that spear. That's right. Um, they look around, and they find blood leading into the field, and they decide to follow it, even though they don't really know what happened like is carol alive is she dead what's going on did any were there any more people here you know things like that but they decide to walk off into the field and as they're walking rick uh realizes that there are more saviors and they have not ended this even though they've killed all these guys with the last few episodes there's clearly more of them and then i think morgan here has the the line of the episodes 
when after Rick says, you know, we haven't ended this. And Morgan says something like, nope, you've started something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You uh, may not realize what you've started here. And as they're walking away, though, it turns out that the savior, the one guy that was still alive, the passenger in the truck, was hiding in the bushes. I guess he saw their car come up and ran to hide in the bush. He comes out, he picks up Carol's rosary, and then follows them into the field. Mm. And we never he's see him again the rest of this episode. But, oh, that's right, eh? But I guess we know he's behind them somewhere. Um, but at the same time, it doesn't make a lot of sense later on, which we'll get to. Now, we go to the train tracks where Denise was killed. And this is where Glenn, Michonne, and Rosita have gone because they're looking for Daryl. Mm-hmm. And I guess Rosita assumes Daryl would come back here to try and follow the trail to Dwight. So they find Daryl's bike hidden under some brush, which is a pretty good indication that he was there. Yep. <laughs> and Rosita starts saying that maybe they should just let Daryl do this. Like, maybe he needs to do this. Um, but Glenn really wants to know which way Dwight went because they need to go after Daryl. And after some convincing, she says that way, and they go into the forest. Now, we see Daryl. He's following Dwight's tracks, but he hears a noise in the forest. Turns out it's Rosita <laughs> and, and, and uh, Glenn and Michonne, who have caught up to him somehow already. Uh, I mean, I guess they weren't that far behind, but it does seem kind of strange that they sort of snuck up on each other all of a sudden like that. Well, I think... I like to think that Daryl got distracted by a squirrel, and he was chasing a squirrel around and around and around and around and around a tree, trying to catch the squirrel, but yep. never never did catch the squirrel. I guess. So, and that, so that, that killed some time. That's like half an hour right there, you know, when you're chasing a squirrel. I suppose. They always, uh, you know, cat. squirrels always go on the opposite side of the tree you're on. You try and go around the tree, it kind of goes, you know, try, tries to keep the tree between you and him. Mm-hmm. So uh, squirrels are crafty that way, and they can be a pain in the ass if you're trying to chase one down. Yeah, well, Daryl likes his squirrels. Well, I guess that gave them enough time to catch up, because he shoots an arrow, or a bolt, and just misses Rosita. Yeah, like by an inch. Calls him an asshole. He kind of is. He is an (laughs) asshole. He shouldn't do that. No, I guess not. That's a dangerous way to make a point. Look where you're going to shoot. Yeah, where's that apple now, eh? There you go. on your head. I don't know if he could hit that. Anyways, although he's he pretty good. He could hit the apple. He can hit headshots. He could hit an apple. Yeah. Um, well, they try to convince him to come back, you know, by saying things like Denise is gone. And Glenn says, Daryl, you're not doing this for anybody but yourself kind of thing. You don't need to do this. And Glenn says they should go back to town, figure this out from home because it's too dangerous out here. Yeah. But Daryl won't listen. He keeps going. And he says, you know, I got to do this. It's my thing. Rosita goes with him, so Rosita is sort of on board with the Daryl revenge plan, and Glenn and Michonne turn around to go back. Now, as Glenn and Michonne are heading back, Glenn is worrying about Alexandria being attacked and how they need to get back to make sure that, you know, they're there to help. They stop briefly, and Glenn is saying something about how, you know, they thought they had things all figured out, but we really don't. (laughs) You know, things are not as simple as we thought. And he says, all this stuff, the hilltop, the saviors, it's just bigger. Like, this, there's more to this than, than we know. And as he's talking, suddenly there's some whistling in the forest, and they're surrounded. Mm-hmm. And then Dwight steps out from behind a tree and says, hi. He's a, they're sneaky fuckers, aren't they? They are extremely they, sneaky. 
They snuck up all the way around him, and then they had some kind of uh, what sounded like a recording of a whistle because it was exactly the same, and it had the perfect amount of resonance and uh, reverb on it, and uh, it was it was beautiful. <laughs> I don't think we were supposed to believe it was a recording. I think we were supposed to believe that that was their signal, and they could all whistle and signal each other to, you know, now's the time to come out. It was a little too perfect. Well, perfect or not, they had them surrounded, guns up, and uh, friendly Dwight came out and said, Hey there. Hey, how you doing? Nice to see ya. So that doesn't look good for them, um, but we go back over to Rick and Morgan. They're following a trail of blood. They find a little bit more on the ground. Rick says he's looking for Carol because she is family, you know, not just someone we live with in a town. And Morgan says, you know, I know why, you know, I know that you sent her away. I was talking to some people. I heard the whole story. And he wants to know that if that had happened today, what would Rick have done? And Rick says, well, today I would have thanked her because she did the right thing, killing Karen and David. Well, there you go. Rick is, he's, you know, he is not, we don't kill the living anymore. Boy, oh boy. But I mean, well, I guess that's been obvious for a while. He was Farmer Rick back then, right? That's now right. He, he's not Farmer Rick anymore. He's, uh, uh, he's mass murdering Rick now. Well, I don't know about mass murder. He's, uh, he's more of a Admiral Fiat type character <laughs> yeah well I, just uh you know get shit done by any means necessary yeah well that's true but morgan reminds him that you know after carol was sent away she came back and he says saved all y'all <laughs> and he says people can come back rick they can come back yep so remember that now they keep walking and they uh they approach a farmhouse and up ahead they think they see carol but it turns out it's just a zombie in similar clothes. Ah, A conveniently or inconveniently dressed zombie. <laughs> um, they kill it. Uh, they get up near the farm. They find some dead people lying around. And there's a living guy there. And he's fighting some zombies. Now, he hides and says he's looking for his horse. That's all. <laughs> and a bunch of zombies are coming. And the zombies kind of get there. He runs out to run away the guy rick goes to shoot him but morgan knocks rick aside so his bullet goes the wrong direction yeah i'm surprised rick didn't uh stab him right in the face after that that would have pissed me off morgan yeah just yeah. if he if he you know he knocks the rick's hand so he can't shoot the guy uh i'm surprised rick didn't just stab morgan right in the face well i mean rick is gonna stab a lot of people right in the face but his friends or the people at least he surround has surrounded himself with are probably not face-stabbing candidates. At least, they well, they'd have to do something pretty bad. Rick's got a bit of a homicidal mania going on there. And he gave uh, he gave Morgan a very dirty look after uh, he recovered uh, from that you know, awry shot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought that uh, maybe he was going to, you know, punch him or go after him or yell at him or call him a bastard or something well they didn't have too much time to think about it because there were these zombies who had entered the area as the living guy runs off they have to now kill these zombies um to you know just to get to reestablish safety and um then once they've done that they look around and they find another one of the hilltop spears right so that to rick indicates that this is well i guess a hilltop potentially a hilltop person but also maybe a savior because weapons go back and forth. It's probably a savior. 
But but then Morgan starts talking. He says, you know, we don't know anything about that guy. And that's why I couldn't let you kill him. Like, he's just a random dude. Maybe he's friendly. Maybe he is from the hilltop. And how would that look if we start shooting hilltop people? They're supposed to be our friends. So maybe he was just looking for his horse? He was. That's what Morgan says. He was just a dude looking for a horse. He didn't deserve to get shot. That horse thing was horse shit. (laughs) That's, what, three or four things now in this episode that have been horse shit. (laughs) No, the other stuff was bullshit. Oh, sorry. This was about a horse. <laughs> this one's about heart, a right. horse. Okay. But Rick says, I don't take chances anymore. I shoot first and ask questions later. Right. Now. Well, that's not true because he asked that guy, uh, he asked Hero a question before he stabbed him in the face. He didn't stab him in the face and then ask him where Carol was. That's very true. So he's still he's still asking questions before stabbing him in the face, you know, whether or not they can answer. It's just, you know, ask a question, stab him in the face, then wait for the answer. Yeah, didn't work out. It's the order of things now. True. I I added the shoot first, ask questions later. But when Rick says, I don't take chances anymore, I think that applies to both scenarios. Yeah. Either way, he tried to kill everybody. Um, So at this point, Morgan tells Rick the whole story about what happened with, with Carol and the wolf and on and on and on and on. And he, he sort of ends up with how Denise being alive, you know, the wolf saved Denise. That led to Denise being alive and she was alive so she could save Carl. And that's how his logic was sort of playing out. And to me, it looked like Rick was kind of affected by Morgan's little story here and started to think about, well, maybe Morgan has a point because he kind of just stopped talking and st- stared off into the distance a little bit he's tired yeah maybe he's just sleepy (laughs) but if so morgan realizes this because he tells him to go back to town and he says i'll keep looking for carol and uh morgan then says the same thing that carol said if i don't come back don't come looking for me which i thought was cheap because that's exactly what they're doing like even though carol said that uh uh you know don't come looking for me they're out looking for it and then morgan says don't come looking for me it's like, well, you know, that's not that's not the rules here. The rules here are you go away and say, don't look for me. We're going to come looking for you. So why would he give uh, Morgan the benefit that he wouldn't give Carol? I think Morgan saw this moment as a moment where he'd finally gotten through to Rick, where he'd said, you know, look, at this is how I see things. And because of these things, your son didn't die. And I feel like he just got through to Rick a little bit. So maybe this was the right moment to say, I'm going to change the rules. I know you come looking for everybody, but in this case, don't come looking for me because if I don't come back, it's because I didn't want to come back or I'm dead. So there's no reason to come and find me. But yeah, I don't know. Rick gives him a gun and, uh, and then the scene kind of ends on a little comedic point where he said he, Rick tells uh, Morgan that Michonne did actually steal that protein bar. Yeah. All the way back in clear. So, (laughs) and then uh, Rick turns around to go back to the car. Now, here's what I was wondering. If that savior who was hiding in the bushes walked off following them, which we were led to believe, Rick turns around and walks back the same path back to the car. Don't you think they would have run into each other? You would think, but maybe the savior is, uh, like, they're very sneaky. So maybe he was uh, able to hide somewhere. Hide or maybe he haystack somewhere. Yeah, (laughs) it's right in a haystack. Maybe, maybe he didn't continue on the same path. Like got into the field and then took a hard left or something and went the other way. I don't know. 
but I thought for sure, uh oh, Rick's going back and that guy's following them, but then nothing. Nothing. So I wasn't sure about that. Uh, anywho, we have a commercial break and we come back and Rick arrives back in Alexandria. So <laughs> if, if something did happen, he <laughs> got back safely. And Abraham is there. He tells Abe that Morgan is still out there. And Abe says that Michonne is still out there as well. And then uh, Rick or Abe asks Rick if uh, is, he's afraid to go back to having somebody close to him. So Abraham is kind of asking about the fact that he's now getting into a new relationship. And uh, Rick says, yeah. And Abe says that he is too, although it's made him feel like he's ready to tear the world a brand new asshole. Nice. So he's a little nervous, but he feels like it's making him strong. Yeah. Um, we see Maggie. She's in her place. Enid comes over to give Maggie a haircut. It's the haircut, Jason. What about the haircut? Well, we, we talked a long time ago about when uh, Lauren Cohan was seen in public with short hair. Oh, yeah. So that, was, no, we finally got the haircut. Yeah, this is the haircut. It was a big deal because people are like, oh, my God, she cut her hair. Does that mean she's off the show or why does she have short hair? Turns out she got a haircut. Turns out, yeah, Enid <laughs> gave yeah. her a haircut. That's right. Um, Enid asks, why cut your hair? And Maggie says, well, I have to keep going and I don't want anything getting in my way. I'm pregnant right now, and I don't want to deal with all the bullshit of having long hair. Right, like washing it and brushing it and putting it in a ponytail once in a while. Blow drying it <laughs> and toweling it and then having wet hair all the time. and Oh, it's just a pain in the ass. Pain in the ass. Well, as we know, though, having short hair in the zombie apocalypse is a good idea because if a zombie sneaks up on you, you know, it doesn't have hair to grab onto. If it does, if it gets your hair, well, you're screwed. Yeah, it's like wearing a cape. Exactly. You don't wear a cape or have long hair in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, it's the head cape. <laughs> it's the head cape. Not yeah. anymore. Now it's just more of a head hat of hair. Hair, hair helmet. A hair helmet. All right. Well, um, suddenly, though, Maggie starts having some kind of what looks to be severe abdominal pain and falls to the floor screaming. This is not a good sign for Maggie, I wouldn't think. Um, no, probably not. Something is going wrong. Do you think she's going to miscarry this baby? Nah, I think everything will be fine. You think so? Yeah. She's, she's going to have the baby? It's just some sort of momentary thing? Yeah. Okay. All right. It's I'm just, not so it's sure. Just, we're just trying to, they're just trying to raise the drama a little bit. I think everything's going to be fine. Raise the stakes a little bit, the drama. Yeah. After a while, they'll just say, "What? Uh, so what was that? that pain all about it's like well i ate those damn pickles those pickles were you know i just i happened to eat the whole jar and we all know what happens when you eat a whole jar of pickles you get the cramps mm -hmm. and then you get the what comes after the cramps which is not pleasant the screaming abdominal pain yeah screaming abdominal pain and then uh unpleasantness generally <laughs> okay well <laughs> generally yeah well I didn't think it looked very good for her, so hopefully it's just the pickle cramps. It's pickles, yeah. We'll see. We cut over to Glenn and Michonne, who, of course, were captured by Dwight. They are sitting down, bound and gagged. Uh, Glenn sees Daryl and Rosita sneaking up through the forest to rescue them. Glenn tries to signal something to Daryl, like, no, don't do it, look out, you know, whatever, whatever. But, of course, he's gagged, and he's pretty far away, so he can't communicate a message very effectively. Uh, and, of course, it's too late because Dwight and another guy sneak up right behind Daryl and Rosita. 
with their guns drawn. At least Dwight had a gun out, pointed at Daryl. Dwight says, hi, Daryl. <laughs> Pulls the trigger, shoots Daryl. Blood splatters all over the camera. We cut to black and we hear Dwight say, you'll be all right. Yeah. So we assume he shoots Daryl. Well, all indications are that he shot Daryl. And and the you'll be all right makes me think that he shot Daryl but did not kill him. Probably intentionally. There was three separate things I didn't like about that. Tell me. Uh, so one was uh, splatter on the screen, on the uh, on the lens. I don't like that. I well, think that's been overused this season in particular. We've got something about that later on in Holy Crap. Yep. Uh, the second thing is uh, shooting Daryl and fading to black. Even if it was just a, if it was simply a shot ringing out and then fading to black, that would piss me off because that's just a that's a Glenn under the dumpster thing all over again. Uh, and the third thing is they let us off the hook by saying, "Yeah, you'll be all right." But see, I don't mind that. I think this is the right way to do a fake-out death cliffhanger. To me, like, you know, everyone knows how I felt about the Glenn thing, but in this one, they're just, they're not screwing around with us, right? Daryl is shot. Let's say the assumption is he's shot. So we know he's shot, but they've basically told us it's okay, but the cliffhanger is what condition is he actually in and why did uh, Dwight shoot him and not, kill him because it was point blank if he wanted to shoot him in the head he could have shot him in the head right so yeah. i think i think this is a good cliffhanger one there's they're not screwing around with the audience but there's still enough unknown to be like oh my god what happened what's coming up next so i think it works i don't think it works at all hmm. i completely and wholeheartedly disagree with you every every aspect of the half second it took to to give us this cliffhanger i did not like well, I didn't like the blood splatter on the camera because, as you said, it's overused this season. But everything else about it I was okay with. I felt so manipulated by the Glenn thing. I don't feel manipulated here, right? They, there's no question about whether he was shot or not. And there's even no question about whether he's dead or not. The questions are just, what condition is he in and why did Dwight choose to do it this way? I mean, we, always, we already get the, oh, shit, they're captured moment right yeah. what's going to happen next i think that's all they needed to give us if they if he just you know banged him on the head with the butt of the pistol and we faded to black from there that would have given us exactly the same situation uh that's you know, true oh, holy crap they're they're captured yeah everybody's no, captured that. glenn is uh, they're all tied up they're they're really royally screwed now so uh i think that uh, giving us the uh, the gunshot and then Splat and even the if you go back and look at it frame by frame because mm -hmm. I went back and I looked at it uh, a couple of times. Good job. It uh, what it really looks like is Daryl turns to the right to look to look at him, and then the shot he shoots not at Daryl but slightly to the uh, right of Daryl. It looks like it looks like it was just badly uh, set up, like the staging was badly done. And mm -hmm. so what they did to recover from that was throw a whole bunch of blood on the on the lens in post. And then once they did that, it's like, oh, but that really implies that Daryl's dead. 
like they actually shot him in the head because we got so much blood on the screen. So now we have to go back and add a little bit of extra audio saying, ah, you'll be all right. So it just, it seems like a misstep covered up, like overcorrected with the blood and then having to recorrect with the, uh, oh, you'll be all right. It just, it seems really ham-fisted and sloppy to me. I can see your point. I can see your point, but... I I don't know. I I I watched it. I didn't watch it frame by frame, but I I just don't oh, think was... it's a it's a I don't think it's a correction on a correction. Yeah. I don't know why, but I I can see your point. But at the same time like you know, again, he we know he was shot, so he's injured, and that's sort of all I care about that you know, he's shot but he's not dead and what I want to know is what's next. And that that's sort of why maybe I can look at this and be like, okay, that's fine because what's next might be really awesome. Maybe. You know what's really going to piss me off? <laughs> what? If Daryl's not hurt at all. Oh, if he's not hurt at all. Yeah. Because that, w- that would be the overcorrection, right? Would be, uh, oh, we, that, that last frame of, or the last, you know, half, half second of that, uh, that scene was the best take, but it's still garbage. So we had to throw a bunch of blood on the lens to, cover it and then add the extra audio in order to retract some of the uh the implication of daryl's dead and now all of a sudden in the next episode daryl's fine and they don't even address it what if we find out that he shot rosita and you know daryl got a bunch of blood splattered all over him and dwight's kind of just like ah you'll be fine it's just blood that'll be right that'd be the worst thing about getting blood on them well, no, but I mean, if, you know, half of, let's say he killed Rosita and like half of her skull is, is. Holy crap. If they kill Rosita off screen yeah. and show the blood splattering on the lens from in front of Daryl. It's going to be far worse. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to be awful. That, that's definitely scenario. I mean, the worst scenario of all of them. Yeah. Um, but I think what's happened here is Dwight shot him in the shoulder or something like that, or the arm, you know just enough to hurt him and incapacitate him because he wants to capture him and take him back to Negan or something like that. And, uh, and that's what we're led to believe. And, and I do think, you know, the show is playing with the fans a little bit because everyone knows how much people love Daryl fan favorite. So anything you do to that guy and people are going to get upset. If they shot him in the arm, people are going to be mad because he's going to have to have a bandage covering up his arm. That's right, and people love that guy's arms. Oh man, that's going to be upsetting. Well, it might be, and this is what I mean. They're playing with, they're playing with the fans' love of Daryl a little bit. Uh, that's, I think that's definitely true. Um, and you know, whether you like that or not, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally okay with it because I'm a little bit over Daryl personally. I don't sort of think he quite has the coolness factor that he he used to and he's worn out his his welcome a little bit but that's just me i know there are plenty of people out there who still love daryl but anyways i think it's a good cliffhanger and at least in comparison to what they did with glenn this works so much better for me let's hope well let's hope i guess we'll see how it plays out the best i can do at this point is uh leave the jury out Okay. Uh, so they're still out. I'll I'll make a final judgment uh, when we come back next week, but I can't I can't accept it as it's shown on, on screen. All right. Well, we only have next week's episode, and I think it'll all be explained. So or or ignored. 
Oh or, man, I can't. That, I don't know what's worse. <laughs> okay, well, we'll 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 wait and see. You know, the part about this episode that I thought was really really ham fisted was the scene where Morgan explained everything that happened with the wolf and Denise and Carol to Rick. I I was like, oh my god, the audience already knows all this. I know Morgan has to somehow transfer this information to Rick, but there there had to be a better way to do this. This was just like two minutes of Morgan talking about what we already know and Rick standing there with a blank look on his face, you know, probably wondering the same thing going like, come on, man, everybody knows this already. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was just really poor storytelling. And I'm not saying I have a better way for Morgan to transfer that information to Rick, but there had to have been something that didn't just involve Morgan standing there telling us what we already know. Yeah. I mean, Doc, Doc Brown did that in uh, Back to the Future, right? There was so much exposition, just him describing, oh, we got to, you know, the, with the, the mechanics of time travel and exactly what happened to Einy after he but, disappeared. But for the audience doesn't know it already. He's telling Marty, but yes, he's, he's speechifying, but he's, he's at least giving us new information. Morgan. And how come that was the only time the time machine went back in time and was like super cold? Remember when he touched it and it was all covered in ice and stuff? That was the only time that ever happened. Well, but that's that's neither here nor there. <laughs> no, it is not. Sorry. My point is Doc Brown was giving new information. Morgan was telling us what we already know because he needed another character to find that out and that's just not great in my opinion. Um the other thing, the other I guess the only other point I have about this is this episode to me felt like it was just full of of setup for next week you know we have we have three or four various groups of characters leaving alexandria for you know questionable reasons both of them going after someone else who left for questionable reasons to begin with um and I feel like they just had to, they just sat down in the, in the writer's room and said, all right, we got to get everyone out of Alexandria. How are we going to do that? Well, let's have two characters leave one because she just wants to go because she's upset about killing another one to get revenge for something. And then we can, and then they go separately. So we can have two other groups of characters go after each one. There you go. And, I just like, oh, that's so lame, you know? This whole episode seemed to be full of just weird, awkward moments. Yeah. The the sweet, sweet lovemaking and everything else. And eating apples and having your ex-love watch you make googly eyes at your new girlfriend. Uh, yeah, it's just all weird. Right. And, I mean... The, sh the shower scene was fine, though, because that was nice. You know, well, a married couple conserving water and heat... Yeah. Having a shower together, that's all good. I, I, I think that, you're right, that was okay. And that's then, the best, best part of this whole episode. Well, it involved I two very good-looking people naked in the shower, so there you go. And I, how can you go wrong? How can you go wrong? Um, Glenn's, I was thinking Glenn's instinct, would it really be to immediately jump in a van and leave rather than maybe stay home with his pregnant wife after everything that just happened. Like she was just abducted and held captive and miraculously survived. And he's just going to hop up and run out again. I, I would think he'd want to stay home, you know? And then basically, you know, Morgan going after Carol, that's fine. They have a connection. I guess I could have lived with that, but Rick didn't need to go. And then 
I was thinking about Daryl leaving and how three people go after Daryl. Isn't it better to just let Daryl go do his thing and then hopefully come back? I know that's a little cold, but like the guy that then one person is gone. One pretty capable person is gone instead of four. But no, they jumped yeah. in a van and they all went. Nobody, nobody was thinking straight in this episode. No, and I, I would agree. And that coupled with it all being kind of set up for next week, I feel like this. Yeah, I mean, I'm this. This episode did not do a lot for me. I agree with that. Other than the cliffhanger, I think it's the only part that actually really worked. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even agree with that. Well, in the shower scene, I guess so. The only thing that worked was the shower scene. It was the only thing that made sense. Well, everything else was just weird. Okay, well, this... like, why would they use a, a car uh, out front of the the gate and put a whole bunch of spikes in it if it still ran? Like, the car is perfectly fine. Why would you have gas in it? Why would the, the you know why would you use a car that was perfectly good? You know, let's stick a bunch of spikes in it and have it uh, have zombies impale themselves on it. Why not take that friggin' car and put it in the motor pool? Yeah. And I, use a junker for the damn, uh, for out front. I didn't even think of that, but you're right. I mean, push a car out there that's not going to run at all anymore. It's not out there to run. It's just out there as a defense thing, yeah. right? So, I don't know. All kinds of, all kinds of wacky stuff in this. But it was the second last episode. This was the, the calm before the storm, I think, that will be next week. Yeah. All right. Well... That's going to do it for our recap. If you've got some thoughts on it, make sure you send in feedback to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. We are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll read your holy crap moments. Stay with us. Talking Dead Podcast is brought to you by you. If you want to find out how you can help support what we do here, visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead. There you can make a small monthly pledge or a not-so-small monthly pledge if if that's your thing. I mean, every little bit is appreciated. Um, And all the money goes into helping us, you know, with the cost of putting on this podcast and the various things we do here. You can also support us by using our Amazon links. If you go to TalkingDeadPodcast.com slash Amazon, click on the store of your choice. Your selections are things like the United States, Canada, France, the UK, Germany, Italy. I don't think Italy's there, but a few others. And uh, then when all you when you make purchases at Amazon, a small cut comes back to us. And uh, again, money goes into helping us uh, 
put on the cost of of doing this podcast. So we thank everyone for visiting us on Patreon and for using the Amazon links. Every little bit counts. It's time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Uh, we got a bunch this week, all kinds of good ones. So we are going to start with an email from Rena on the internet. Rena says, Holy Crap, shortest cold open ever. Okay, okay, really my holy crap was, did you hear that Johnny Cash song? Nice touch. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think to look up what Johnny Cash song it was, but I'm sure lots of people out there recognized it. And I am a Johnny Cash fan. I, I just didn't know that one. I'm with you. I'm a Johnny Cash fan, but I didn't know that song. Now, that's probably going to expose me as not a very good Johnny Cash fan. I'm not going to say I know a lot of his music, but I do put it on once in a while, and and I I enjoy it. So, take <laughs> no, that. Nobody <laughs> nobody complain that I'm a bad Johnny Cash fan, please. <laughs> uh, Jenny in South Carolina writes, "Holy crap! Who wakes up and immediately starts eating?" She had a piece of fruit on the nightstand. Weird. It was weird. <laughs> I don't even have water on my nightstand. A lot of people keep a drink of water, you know, by the bed because they get thirsty in the night. But you're right. I'm with you. I don't even do that. I mean, I it's... don't eat before 11 a.m. What? 11 a.m.? Yeah. I generally don't eat breakfast. You get up at like six in the morning. You don't eat anything until lunchtime? Yeah, generally. That's weird, man. You should eat more breakfast. It's the most important meal of the day. That's what my wife keeps telling me, and she keeps trying to making me food and putting it in front of me, but I, it all tastes like sandpaper. I can't get it down. I, I can't eat in the morning. I don't know what I, it is. I'm going to tell her what you said about her cooking. <laughs> yeah, toast. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe cereal. Uh, well, you should have something. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't keep, I mean, I so rarely wake up in the night. I don't need anything by the bed just in case. Yeah. <laughs> so it is weird. Uh, Colin in Columbia, South Carolina writes, holy crap, did you see that Eve Michonne took the apple and ate, ate of it and gave some to her husband, in quotes, Rick, and they saw that it was good? This episode could have been called East of Eden because I believe that soon they will be cast out of the relative safety of the garden and into the wild, just oh as my- Cain was after he killed his brother Abel. Do you think that was uh, the fruit of knowledge? Well, the fruit from the tree of knowledge? Sorry. It was, uh, I mean, uh, Colin is not the only person to write in about the sort of religious parallels in that scene. Um, I'm not smart enough to really, I mean, I could pick up on it, but I'm not smart enough to sort of articulate it. Uh, but someone who is more religious or more familiar with the you know biblical stories and stuff like that would be able to, like such as Colin. But yeah, I mean, even Rick even said in that scene, it's good, or it, it was good, or something like that. Like, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Anyways, I'm sure there's even more to that scene that uh, that we might, or, you know, that could be 
gleaned from it, I guess. All right, next is Joshua in Miami, Florida. This is a longer holy crap, but here we go. Holy crap, The Walking Dead was terrifying? Tonight's episode was extra enjoyable to me because for the first time since season one, I was on the edge of my seat for the entire episode. It wasn't due to this episode being particularly suspenseful or action-packed, but more due to the events of last week. I didn't realize it, but Denise's death has really traumatized me. I found myself panicking during every scene outside of Alexandria. I was just waiting for a rogue arrow to take out one of my favorite characters as they argued with each other the entire episode. I have never felt as scared for everyone as I do right now, and that's amazing. Denise's death was so well executed (laughs) that it reinstilled all the suspense I felt in the first season of the show. Then ending it with Daryl getting shot only made my panic worse. So, um, I must admit, I agree with Joshua to a degree. There were scenes outside where people were just standing around talking where I thought someone's just going to get killed out of the blue again. That never occurred to me. No, hey? Not even what I didn't think anybody was in real danger in this episode. I think it had, uh, this episode had filler or stepping stone episode written all over it. And I don't think I had any nervousness about anybody eating it. Eating it. Well, uh, except an apple. Except the apple. I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. This, I prefer to call this episode not filler, but setup. Like, it right. got people out of Alexandria into little groups. It got them captured. And now we have to deal with all that. And that's what they needed to happen for the season finale. So they needed this episode to set that up. Um, but I do agree with Joshua that there were moments where the characters were standing around. And I thought someone's just going to jump out or an arrow or a gunshot is going to just come out of nowhere and take somebody out. Now... I should have thought to myself, well, they just did that last week. They're not going to do it again, right? But it did cross my mind a couple of times, so I'm I'm with Joshua. It did add a little bit to the tension of the episode, even though everything was just mostly set up for next week. All right, Sally on the internet writes, Holy crap, did you see that? Carol's car was ripped right out of a Mad Max movie. Too bad it only lasted a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Mad Max spikes. That's what you've always wanted to see on the show. Well, Mad Max, it's the way thing every it's the way everything's going. Yeah, ultimately that's where we end up, right? Yeah. Sean on the internet internet, holy crap, Carol picks a path and sticks to it. Vows to stop killing then immediately murders a bunch of people. <laughs> Did she double her <laughs> list yet? Uh, possibly. I think Sean is being a little uh sarcastic here. <laughs> Yeah, she wanted to get, I felt bad for her. Uh, You know, she's getting out of town in order to get away from murdering people. And the first thing she has to do is kill a bunch of people. Yeah. That's that's terribly unfortunate for her. She drives for like, you know, 20 minutes and gets, has to get out of a car and kill five guys. Yeah. And only successfully kills four, but still, well, not even four, three, because she left a hero lying alive on the ground. That's true. Still shot him, so I don't know. Well, who killed him, really? Was it Rick or was it uh, Carol? Yeah, I think Carol's intention was to kill him. The the answer is Rick. Rick killed him. Okay, Rick did. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because that's that whole thing. If somebody jumps off a building to commit suicide and when when they're on the way down, you shoot and kill him, you're still guilty of murder. Okay. Uh, That's pretty unlikely, but you're right. The guy wasn't dead yet. 
That's right. What if he'd had a heart attack before you shot and killed him because he jumped off a building? Are you uh, guilty well, of murder? That, that, no, because then he's dead. If you shoot a dead person, it's terribly unfortunate. I'm sure it's a crime, but uh, it's not murder. Um, what if you are unaware that they're dead? I don't think it matters. Okay. So you can't kill a dead person even if you think they're alive. That's correct. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we got that straight. <laughs> Keep that in mind. That's what I believe. All right. Uh, next, Kate in Sydney, Australia. Holy crap, did you see Carol's sewing skills? Now, I don't know anything about anything at all about guns, but hiding an automatic or semi-automatic weapon in the sleeve of a jacket has got to be pretty difficult. Also, when she fires it, where are the shells going? Jason? The army guy that wrote in last week? Anyone? Rambo Carroll, now with stealth machine gun jacket. <laughs> yeah, those, uh, they're going into her bra. What? That's, that's the only assumption I can, I can make is that, uh, the shells were being ejected from the, uh, from the magazine or ejected from the, the, the chamber and, uh, she was storing them in her bra. You are being silly. Um, I am. It would burn. Everything about that whole situation would be extremely hot. Yes. She would get third degree burns all over the inside of her jacket. Are we supposed to believe that the jacket sleeve was all torn up because, you know, the shells were tearing it up and yes, and flying out through the holes or whatever? Is that what she was doing with the sewing? Well, that's what I thought, too. Um, it Was she preparing for this? Was she sewing that gun into the, into, or not sewing the gun in maybe, but sewing it so that it would, it would pop open if she had to fire a gun from inside her, her jacket sleeve? Maybe. Like maybe it, she was preparing for this because, you know, it's, it seems like if you're, okay, so if, imagine if you will, you're driving down the road. In your spiked car. Yeah, I do that then, all the time. And then a pickup truck passes you, and you haven't seen a pickup truck pass you in, say, two years. Sure. And then you don't freak out or anything, but as soon as the pickup passes you, they shoot at you, they shoot at your tires, and you just skid out. Yes. At, and then they are pulled over, and you're pulled over, and they say get out of the car, and you're sitting there with your hands on the wheel. At that point, do you have time to pick up some kind of automatic weapon and hide it up your sleeve? I wouldn't think so, no. I wouldn't think so either, which is part of the ridiculousness. Now, if we can go back and say, that's what she was sewing at the beginning of this episode, mm -hmm. that makes it just a little bit more believable. No, it... To still complete another bullshit, but just a little bit more believable. No, the problem, the reason it doesn't is because that means she planned ahead for a scenario just like this. Didn't now, I, you see Taxi Driver? I, well, yes, of course, I've seen. Taxi he driver. planned ahead for just this type of scenario, uh, and and I guess maybe in the zombie apocalypse, this type of scenario isn't all that uncommon. <laughs> you know, people holding you at gunpoint and you have your hands up and no way to get to a weapon. So, yeah, if she, I, all right, I guess fine. If she was sewing something into her jacket or modifying her jacket so that this would work, I guess we're supposed. We can take that and it adds some believability a little bit. Just a little bit. A little tiny bit. Just, just a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. Okay. It's not enough, but it's no. a tiny little bit. It does feel to me like this is, uh, you know, this is just not something someone would prepare for. But maybe. I mean, people are getting held at gunpoint all the time, so. I and don't she know. doesn't even have YouTube. If she had YouTube, you can look up this kind of thing all the time. Not that I would know and that. 
No, but you've, I mean, it's YouTube. I haven't, I don't know that either, but I assume that somewhere on YouTube, there's a whole series of videos on how to get a weapon to pop out of your sleeve. Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, I've watched YouTube videos of a guy who, who added Wolverine claws to himself and how to get them to retract and stuff like that. Well, see, now, now we're, now we're talking. There you there's, go. There's, uh, I just watched a YouTube video on a guy who did a, uh, a, a bat, Batman, uh, grappling hook. Ooh. I can, yeah, it and that really works. Did he for, like, like grapple? repelling down? Yeah, did he, he did all kinds of grappling stuff. Onto like the roof of his house and stuff? Yeah, but he would hang on to the, you know, uh, put it on a, a, a joist and then repel down cool. so that it would go down slowly like Batman does. So, I mean, you can do every, anything you want, really. And there's a, probably a YouTube video on how to do it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if Carol did this without the benefit of YouTube, does it make it more or less believable? I believe less. I would say less, yeah. All right, well. But she was sewing. She was sewing. The sleeve of her jacket. Yeah. I think we're, you know, now that we talk about it, I think we're supposed to believe that she was doing something to that jacket in order to prepare for this very scenario. Yeah, hopefully she put in, hopefully she lined her entire jacket and was wearing a an asbestos shirt underneath (laughs) it because that would be very, very hot. It would. And the only way to combat that would be to wear uh, an asbestos t-shirt. Yeah, and a cancer-causing t-shirt, you know? Well, just don't breathe your t-shirt. It's a trade-off. It's a trade-off, one or the other. Well, it is, because if you really need some heat protection, asbestos is the way to go. It is. You Um, can find it. One other thing I just want to mention here, Kate asks, uh, army guy that wrote in last week, I believe she's talking about Patrick from Auburn, Alabama. Yes. Who uh, was talking about those ranger rules. Yeah. Last week, so... uh, uh, Patrick, if you've got any, any more insight into this, let us know. Uh, a friend of the show, Adam in Texas writes, holy crap, did you hear that? Is it just me or does Morgan always sound like he's about to cry, especially when he's speechifying? <laughs> yeah, maybe a little. Maybe. <laughs> he's, he's an emotional dude and, uh, he's, he's always on the edge of tears, but he's able to hold them back because he's too busy clubbing people. Well, he's very upset by the zombie apocalypse. Oh, that reminds me something else about Morgan, too. Twice in this episode, he killed a zombie by hitting it on the head with his club, not impaling it into the head of the zombie by swinging it and hitting it on the skull. So knocking zombies unconscious is fine. Apparently, like just shaking the brain around a little bit is okay. That's true. I didn't realize that. He, he did it on the road when they find the cars, that first one. And then he did it again with the Carol zombie in the field as they were approaching the farm. And both times I thought, come on, stick to the rules. Like, it's a it's a staff. He could use it to, like, gouge through the zombie's eye socket or something, and I'd be fine with it. But just bopping them on the head, that's all it takes now. Boop. Exactly. <laughs> Steve on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see Morgan's bass-ackwards logic? <laughs> I let the wolf live, and he saved Denise, and Denise saved Carl. Yeah, dumbass. If you had killed him in the first place, he wouldn't have knocked you and Carol out and abducted Denise, leading to her, ha- to her having to be saved. Frickin' shit, I'm so mad at what they did to Morgan. Yeah. This is the problem. Like, logic can be applied to any sequence of events, and and to prove a point. And the other thing is, you know, sequence of events are not always, well, they're rarely an actual sequence. That's true. There's there's three things I want to say here about that. And I agree with it, that uh, Morgan uh, 
his logic was flawed because if he hadn't have saved that uh if he hadn't have saved that guy they wouldn't have been in the situation in the first place. Uh so there's three things I want to say is that uh, on a long enough timeline uh from Fight Club on a long enough timeline everybody's survivability reaches zero. Right? Uh the second thing is uh if you go back far enough everything's your fault. So <laughs> okay. if you can whatever happened if you can go back far enough you can somehow blame it on yourself. And the third thing is that the the point you just made about uh, uh, things not necessarily being a sequence, and that is uh, post hoc ergo propter hoc, mm-hmm. which is that after it, therefore because of it. Just because something happened after the first thing doesn't mean the first thing caused that second thing. Correct. That's so, what I was trying to say. Yeah. So post hoc ergo propter hoc. Mm-hmm. Thank you, West Wing, for teaching me that Latin phrase. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. And you could – you could equally take different events and drop them in and use them to prove a point. And that's just trying what Morgan's trying to do. It seems to work on Rick, to be honest. Yeah. Rick is like, oh, yeah, huh? How about that? So maybe you're not all bad after all. Right. But really, they're just – it's just a random group of things that happened in chronological order and they could have played out in a million different ways. So Yeah. And we're not even bringing in time travel into this friggin' mess. Well, when you because bring then you have cause and effect happening in different time streams. Yeah, just because something caused something else doesn't mean that it happened before. <laughs> it could have happened after. It could have. <laughs> if this show ever gets into time travel, yeah, um, then we're quitting the show. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where are we? Noop J on the internet writes: "Holy crap, the saviors are everywhere. It's going to be tough to negotiate with these guys, don't you think?" <laughs> <laughs> Probably, <laughs> zing. Well, I, I mean, every time they've uh, they've reached out to our uh, our intrepid heroes, they get slaughtered. Yep. So it's hard to want to negotiate with somebody that just keeps slaughtering you. Or negotiate. Negotiate. <laughs> right. I like that. Uh, Emily in New Zealand writes: My holy crap moment was Maggie's hair. When Enid asked her why she wanted it short, Maggie replied with something like, I need to keep moving forward, and I can't let anything hold me back. Nice, but real-life people don't talk in metaphors, so if you could just answer the question like an adult, that would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, This is sort of like my problem with Abe, which I've decided to let go and just try to enjoy Abe for who and what he is. Um. Many, many people wrote in to tell me that I need to do that, and also to tell me that there are, in fact, people that talk like this, mostly in the southern U.S., so I've been responding to people saying, okay, you're right, I'm just going to have to let it go, I don't totally buy it, but I can can live with it, Uh, but Emily here says the same thing about Maggie, it's like, just answer the question, why do you want to cut your hair? Well, I probably had good reasons, but I'm going to say this weird metaphor instead. Yeah. So, well, the real answer is I ran out of shampoo and I want to wash my hair with sand. Uh, yeah. Or it's just easier to manage now when it's short, you know? Yeah. So, uh, all right. Who in San Francisco writes, wow, so many, it's hard to pick. So many holy craps. Uh, probably would be the casting of Justin Bieber to play Maggie. No, wait, that's Lauren <laughs> Cohan with a haircut. <laughs> Zing. Another funny one. Matt in Clementon, New Jersey. Holy crap, when will Glenn and Maggie stop splitting up? Every time they are not together, something terrible happens to one of them. It started with the prison collapse, continued two weeks ago with Maggie's kidnapping, and once again this week. If Scooby and the gang have taught us anything, it's that splitting up is always a bad idea. Never split the party. 
No, stick together. You... It's like in Pulp Fiction. Every time somebody comes out of the, out of a bathroom, something bad happens. Every time. Every time. Yeah. Well, don't split up the party, and if you're going to go to the bathroom, do it in front of everybody. Well, if you're going to go to the bathroom in a Tarantino movie, do it in front of everybody. Leave just, the door just, open. Just lay it down in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> do not go to the bathroom. <laughs> lay it down. <laughs> Is that what the kids are calling it these days? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. I might have made that up. All right. Uh, Gemma, from somewhere in England right now, says, My holy crap is obviously my one and only Daryl Dixon getting shot by Dwight. Once I'd finished screaming, I did rewind and watch it again, and it seems he did get shot in the shoulder, but still, it's not looking good for Daryl. No, it does not look good for Daryl. Let's hope he's actually shot next week. <laughs> kind of hope so, too. Uh, James in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Holy crap, does Dwight look like the bastard love child of Matthew McConaughey or what? The only thing he needs is a Lincoln and some concert tickets. <laughs> I'm missing the reference. Uh, McConaughey does TV commercials for Lincoln, the cars. Oh, I don't get commercials anymore. No, me either, but I do. I have seen a couple of them. Uh, but concert tickets, I guess maybe he does some other commercial for tickets. So I, I don't know, but uh, that guy sort of does look like Matthew McConaughey a little bit. You think so? A little. I can I've see never it. been good at that kind of thing. I mean, I can see it now that James points it out. I'm not sure I would have come to that conclusion myself, but it's there. It's definitely uh, there. I, I believe you. I just, I, I don't see these kind of things, so that's that's fine. All right. Georgia in Melbourne, Australia. Holy crap, did you see the major stink eye that Rosita gave Sasha? Like, geez, Rosita can't even have a heartbroken minute before she's having to deal with Sasha and Abraham rubbing their newly found relationship in her face. Yeah, it was pretty mean. <laughs> it was pretty mean. I don't know that Abe and Sasha meant to do it. I mean, I know they're like standing right there and all, but... That's even worse, that they don't even friggin' give a shit enough to realize that Rosita is uh, standing right there, or off in the distance, looking. I mean, she's not that far away. The front gate is, like, right next door to that, that lookout yeah. tower. That's even worse. Okay, you're right. They should be more careful. Keep their yeah. keep their sweet, sweet lovemaking to the privacy of their home. Well, that that probably is. But their they're stupid googly eyes, they can keep that in their pants, too. <laughs> yes. Keep your googly eyes in your pants. Damn it. That's the phrase of the night, I think. <laughs> um, Hoyt on the internet. Holy crap, finally, one of the season's biggest mysteries has been solved. Do you know what he's talking about? No, I do not. Michonne did steal that protein bar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Funny little moment between these two. I sort of hate that we've been robbed of seeing Morgan and Rick become buddies. Uh, the thing is about that, I do think Morgan and Rick respect each other. They just don't quite see eye to eye right now on uh, the whole killing issue. Yeah, it's whole, I don't want to kill anybody versus I really don't mind killing everybody right. situation. Right. And I think if Morgan survives, you know, long term, I do think him and Rick will, will start to see eye to eye on, on various things. So it could, you know, it could not be the end of their or their relationship. But more, unless Morgan dies next week, who knows? Then it's definitely the end of their relationship. That usually is. It usually is. I mean, it's that whole, you know, even in your wedding vows, it's till death do us part, right? Uh, that's right. It's predefined. It is. That's when things end. Yeah. <laughs> At death. Uh, all right. Christine in Somerville. Holy crap, Carol went Terminator on those jerks. She sure did. She had yep. a gun up her sleeve. Uh, a few more. Angie in Birmingham. First off... 
we had Jasper on the show. Now, after six years of very rarely showing blood splatter on the camera, as soon as you guys say it looked cool but don't want to see it every week, what do they do? Show it every damned episode since. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, so, yeah, they must be listening. Man, they should bring Lou Temple back. I miss him. Oh, Lou Temple would be fantastic. Such a fun guy and such a great character. I, I assume that's what uh, they're referring to when they say Jasper. Uh, yes. I kept, I, I kept calling him Jasper. You did. And then Daryl found Jasper on the road, remember? Yeah. Lou Temple. Lou Temple back on the show. Yeah, I don't care how. I mean, sure, uh, Carol used him as a shield, but <laughs> yeah. fuck it, bring him back. A meat shield, isn't that what you called him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, bring Lou back. He's a good dude. Uh, Jaeger in Atlanta, um, uh, he didn't really, you know, frame this as a holy crap, but I'm going to allow it uh, because I think we need to mention it. Jaeger says, really, Dwight? Putting your middle finger on the trigger? You really expect to hit something doing that? Might as well hold it sideways, you idiot. <laughs> I love it when someone finishes a sentence with "you idiot." Well, you can finish most sentences that way, which is entertaining. You idiot! You idiot! <laughs> I'm going to have a drink of this delicious tea. You idiot! Usually, you should start those sentences with "listen." Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm going to have a drink of this tea. You idiot! Because <laughs> you want people to know when you're calling them an idiot. That's right. Did Did you notice Dwight holding the gun funny though? I did not. Well, check it. He does not have his, uh, what's that, your index finger? Your trigger finger on the trigger? He's got his, like, flip the bird finger on it. It's so oh. weird. I call that my finger finger. <laughs> he's got his finger finger on it. That's right. It's weird. Now, maybe he's got an injury to the other finger, so that's why he's doing it that way, but I think Jaeger's right. He's an idiot. Finally, Miles in San Francisco writes, Holy crap, I am not looking forward to next week's 90-minute episode. The teasers made it very clear that the price will be paid. Frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> I had to include that, too. Um, I am very much looking forward to watching next week's episode. I'm just not so sure I'm looking forward to what's going to happen in next week's episode. Why not? Because I feel like I'm going to be sad. I think somebody we like is going to be killed, and I think it's going to be brutal, and I'm not going to enjoy watching it. Um, but I am looking forward to finding out what happens, if that makes any sense. I don't know. We will see. I, I agree with Miles, though. Like, I'm a little nervous about next week. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, there's only one way to find out, and that is wait until Sunday and then sit down in front of my TV at the right time. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right. Thanks so much to everyone for sending in your holy craps and all the other feedback we've got. We have had a lot of emails lately, Jason. So um, if, if anyone's feedback doesn't make it on the show, I apologize. Sometimes I just can't include all of it, but I do like to put as much on there as I can. Um, but it's it's picked up lately. So I think people are getting excited as this season gets to its climax. It's crescendo. Yeah, the crescendo toward the climax. And... But anyways, yeah, it's it's fun reading it. I do read them all, and you know, I try to write back to some people, especially the ones that I don't always include on the show, because I don't want anyone to be feeling left out. <laughs> it's just the way I am. Um, but thanks so much, everyone. Of course, we will be back for our next podcast on Wednesday night to read a whole bunch more of that feedback uh, and talk more about this episode, and then probably set up the season finale a little bit one more episode for season six and then we're done and uh, i do have a feeling it's going to be a big one 
not only because it's 90 minutes long, but probably scary. And uh, at the very least, we'll find out whether Daryl was shot or not. Yep. Yeah, I hope so. All right. Uh, That's going to do it. If you want to contact us, you can visit our website and click on send voicemail. That's talkingdeadpodcast.com. Click on send voicemail and record a message right into your computer. You can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Talking Dead. And uh, as I've mentioned, send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to enter the giveaway for the book, The Art of Eating Through the Zombie Apocalypse. That's going to run until a couple of days after the season finale, just so everyone has a chance to get their entries in. Do that at our website as well, talkingdeadpodcast.com slash artofeating. And uh, I'll just throw it out one more time. Visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead or use our Amazon links by visiting our site uh, slash Amazon and choosing the store of your choice. All right. That's going to do it. Until next week, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao, ciao. Where is she? <laughs> <laughs>